This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Gendron, and I am joined by Mike Gendron, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I'm doing great. I'm sitting here um, watching the Home Run Derby, which is great because I don't have to worry about the Red Sox losing tonight because it's <laughs> not a real baseball game. And I'm just thinking about... Um, you know, I was very mediocre at the sport of running, but I'm wondering, like, what kind of specialized, um, you know, home run derby style type thing we could do for running that would, you know, maybe I'd actually perform well in. So I'm going to brainstorm that a little bit. Ooh, I like that. Maybe we can talk a little bit after I introduced our third host. And as always, we got Trent Fontanella, who is not at the House of Sav. Trent, where are you at tonight, buddy? Boys, I am spreading the peak too early word to the good folks of Idaho. There are some friendly people out here in this great state. I am also just, you know, reaffirming myself as the the most dedicated, hardest working podcaster in the game. I come to you guys battling great adversity. I am I am on antibiotics. I, I was FaceTiming a doctor. You guys ever done like the virtual doctor? No. That's a I thing. didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. So when you're on a business trip like I am right now, and you find yourself in in, in uh, what was the name of the town? Loman, Idaho. And you realize something's wrong. You can take your phone out, um, find some Wi-Fi somewhere, which is not always easy when you're in Idaho. Uh, and you can like FaceTime a doctor, and they can write you prescriptions for drugs. So you don't that's insane. It. It's Wait, amazing. Hold on, I won't even go to like real doctors if I feel sick. I'm like, ah, I'll I'll get over it. Like I can't even imagine going through the process of like virtually talking to a doctor. Dude, when you're when you're laying in bed and you're, you can't sleep because you're coughing up a lung. And you're like, all I got to do is, is, you know, call some doctor in Kansas City and she'll get me some drugs. You're like, hell yeah. So that's awesome. It's, it's amazing, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there again. Just just another example of me fighting through adversity to be here for our not for you guys. It's definitely not for you guys, <laughs> but it's, it's for our listeners out there that I know need so, their favorite co-host. So did you get um, were any of your prescriptions the one that like. Uh, you like, you know, don't do physical activity for 48 hours. Cause that's my, like, that's my favorite thing when <laughs> I get some like doctor prescription, it's like no physical activity, 48 hours. Like, Oh, bummer. Right. I was really hoping to get a, you know, a long run in today, but I guess that's not going to happen. I did not get one of those, but I would argue maybe not when you have to work for a work trip, but I would argue being sick is sneakily kind of awesome because you can just lay around in bed all day, like crushing net. Oh yeah doing nothing and you have every excuse in the world not to long run that day not to exercise so you don't need the the doctor to tell you not to exercise when you're on it you, you get the whole week off that's true the, the worst part about being a runner is not like going on runs it's the guilt you feel mm -hmm. yes. when you don't go on your runs but when you're sick you're right you don't have to deal with that no guilt boys i haven't done any lick of exercise in about 48 <laughs> hours and i have i have no guilt whatsoever <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I went for a run this afternoon, credit to me. But the only reason I, I talked myself into getting out into that 90-degree humid air tonight was just because like I, I knew I was going to be so guilty tonight and tomorrow morning if I didn't. So I would have loved, 
I would have loved, you know, to be on antibiotics and be sick and just be like, well, you know, I'm sick, can't run today. But that's cool. I love that idea that you can just FaceTime a doctor because the reason I don't go to a doctor is I don't have any time to go to the doctor. Who's got time right. to do that? Like, I don't, e- I don't even go grocery shopping anymore. I have the food brought to my door, Peapod. Um, no free ads, but it's great. Like, I don't, who's got time to go to a doctor? If I could FaceTime my doctor, I, I'd definitely go to the doctor thing a little more often. <laughs> well, so why aren't doctor's hours, like, different than the normal That's work hours, point. right? Because people work nine to five that's when everyone works so if the doctors also work nine to five well it's like okay well i'm not gonna i'm not that sick i'm not like dying i'm not gonna skip work to go to the doctor but if they worked different hours then maybe i'd have an actual excuse to like oh maybe i should go because they'll be open i think it's for people like myself like if you feel good enough to go to work that means you don't feel bad enough to, like, go annoy the doctor all the time. <laughs> so you can't just, like, you know, get some drugs and you don't feel, like, 100%. So it, like, you know, it gets the the, the, the posers out of your, your doctor's office, I think. I mean, my, my medicine is just, you know, I don't feel great. Have a couple Miller Lights, sit on the couch and, 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 you know, sleep it off. But you're taking actual medicine prescribed to you by a, by a virtual doctor. Sounds a lot better. I don't even well, know so- so my question to this, and maybe this is getting to a deeper, um, like societal, a deeper societal issue, and you know we've tried to avoid that on Peak Tour, but I'll go there. I don't care. <laughs> it's a, I'm on my fourth Miller Lite tonight. I'll go there. Um, so, Trent, what's stopping? Like, so I virtually Facetime this doctor, right, and I tell him what all my issues, right, and he's going to prescribe me drugs. Like, how can he possibly? know if i should be having those drugs or not if it's just like a virtual facetime like how 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 do how do we stop people from like getting drugs over facetime because they say they're sick uh i mean is that a problem i just i think that's a problem (laughs) they ask they ask a bunch of questions you know like what symptoms do you have and like how long have you been experiencing these symptoms so they really do a (laughs) thorough like three minute interview I don't think they're prescribing any like hardcore drugs over FaceTime, Mike. I think it's like it's like, oh, this guy's got a cold. Let's give him some some very low level antibiotics here. Okay. I was also thinking though, to your point, Mike, like you have to rate the doctor after. There's a good chance I would have given like her Uber? zero stars if she did not give me a prescription. That's what I expected. <laughs> so it's like to get five stars, you have to be doling can, out the prescription. This is ridiculous. What can you like add a tip to? Like, what is this? <laughs> Oh, man. Well, enough doc to talk, um, you know, as exciting as it is. But we're like Mike said, we're we're kind of we're recording this while we're kind of watching the home run derby. Um, we missed the beginning of it, but it looks like uh, Vladdy Jr. just crushed some home runs. I think I saw 29 up there. Something Ooh. ridiculous. But it, it, it brought the conversation. What if there was, you know, some type of home run derby skills competition because every sport every major sport has like a skills competition around the all-star break what what would running skills competition be it's like i, I don't even know i mean like well if, so we, if, we posed this like, question we posed this question and then as i'm saying this i realize that the sport of track and field is essentially a skills competition <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i guess but like we're talking like straight distance runner right like okay. not like sprinters if we're talking straight distance runners i mean like you have to resort to stuff like that we've done like stupid competitions like beer miles and stuff like that because there's no like athleticism there's no like i don't even know how you you showcase our sport in a different way than like people just 
Run it. Ooh, I got one. I got I got a skill. I got a skill. Um, what if it's uh, how fast you can evenly put a race number on your singlet? Because I've been running for most of my life. And every single time I get those little pins in the in the in the bib number and I go to put it on my singlet, every single time it's crooked or my shirt is like is like ruffled. And every single yeah. time I do it, every single time I do it, I say to myself, How long have I been doing this sport? How many countless, you know, race bibs have I put on? And I still stink at it. So what if somebody was like super good at putting those on? That could be that could be a skill. What if it was just like like um like how much body glide you own oh <laughs> like they just like raid your house like, like remember that old show like, like your efficiency in covering your body and body yeah like remember, remember that old show room raiders like they just have a bunch of people break into your room and like see how much body glide you have i think i would be pretty good at that one <laughs> steve i think i'd also be pretty good at yours because i have a i have a really big critique of almost every runner out there um why do why do runners pin their 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 bibs on their singlet when they're wearing their singlet is that like idiotic to anyone else like i always take it off and do I mean, it like, i do people that like trying to like put it on themselves sometimes so i'm way better well i don't know like i've put it so if you lay the singlet down and you try to put the bib on i That's always me. screw it up I have to be wearing it to get it even close to like where it should be like laying like because then, you know, if you put it on when your singlet's not on, like you might get a pin that's like rubbing in a weird spot or it might be like a little crooked or you get that, you know, it doesn't lay evenly over the shirt. Um, I don't know. I think you got to be wearing it, but I still suck at putting them on. My, my problem is I just don't care what it looks like. Like I'm I put it on like, you know, 30 minutes before the race. And at that point, my mind's already mush. Like I don't care anymore. I don't care about anything. It's one of those things where it's like there's nothing else more important to me than the race I'm about to run. So you could like call me right then and be like, Mike, like you could save the world. If you show up to this location in 20 minutes, I'm like, dude, I'm about to run a race. Leave me alone. Like, I don't <laughs> care. Uh, so the bib at that point is like pff, irrelevant to me. I, might... I got another skill. Oh, go ahead. I got another skill. Go ahead. What do you got trying? I was like, I might care too much about the bib process because Steve, your way might be more uh, efficient and effective. You've kind of convinced me, you know, the, the irritation of the pins, but you look like a doofus when you're trying yeah. to, like, pin your nipples to your bib. There's, so there's, no, there's no good way to do it. You look like an idiot. You got to put it down on the ground. You look a lot cooler so. that way. So I got another skill. Making it or pretending like you did a cool down after a race. Ooh, so I would. So that, you got to like jog so around good. a little bit, you know, go off like at a trail or like behind a behind a building, and then you walk. But and then you, you <laughs> pop out a little while later, make it look like you cooled down. So oh I think that, that's I definitely have that skill. That is a very so so we're talking about Trent. I think you'd be great at the body slide or body glide um, skill competition. I know for a fact the fake cool down. I mean that is like <laughs> there's there there might be nothing I'm better at in the entire world. We, we got to have one for Steve and Steve. This one's for you. We just like put everybody in a sauna with a <laughs> um, with like a trash bucket underneath them and see how much see how fast they can fill the bucket full of sweat. And I, you'd be very good at that. I tell you what, I'd be national champ at that event. That would be like my single greatest event. There's nobody in the world that compete with me. You could yeah. drown in your own bucket of sweat. <laughs> I, up could. That fast. I could. Well, How about a, a tragic story. <laughs> oh, no. How about one that'd be fun would be removing dull spikes from your track spikes. Is Ooh, that that's another good one. 
Yeah, like you're trying to twist it with that dumb little butterfly. Oh, I like that. Everybody, everybody has like 15 <laughs> of those in their track bag. And then you just keep going from one to the next. And you never get rid of the ones that are like worn out. <laughs> that thing is brutal. I'd like to see impressive people do that. I like that one. So what if like, what if we just made runners do like the actual skills competition, like the basketball, like dribbling competitions and like the uh, baseball homer and derby and stuff like that and the football skills competition. And we just all watched at them and laughed at them and, and <laughs> watched how unathletic they were. I think that would actually be the most entertaining thing. That would be funny. <laughs> we, we did like we did like a three-point competition. Oh, my Home God, run derby. Was... Um, we do like the, uh, the, the hockey, like cone drill. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> It would be that would be electric content yeah. actually. I think we should set that up. <laughs> it would be awful though. <laughs> oh, that yeah, that, you you nailed it, Mike. That's what if if running were to have like an all-star skills competition, we just make runners do other other sports skills competition <laughs> and laugh at them. I think we figured it out. We nailed it. Oh man. Well, so, wait, someone has to address the are we going to ask the question like why would it be so funny? Because runners suck at that stuff. So <laughs> why, why do runners suck at all those other events? I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm really good at everything I do, but like you guys suck at those things probably. Well, I mean, there's just a difference between like being an athlete and being a runner. And I don't know how to describe it much more than that. I don't know how to like divulge deeper and like have some kind of like thesis here. So, but so uh, let me. So I've thought about this. So there, when it comes to sports, right? You have there's a spectrum. You have your high skill sports and like your high effort endurance sports, right? Like golf will be all the way at one end of the of the you know the skill sport, right? And then distance running is all the way at the other end of the mm -hmm. of the effort sport, right? And the people on the extreme end of the of the skill sports, you know, would stink at the effort sports and, and vice versa. You know, the sport in the middle would probably be a sport like basketball, hockey, you know, sports that have like high effort and skill level. Um, but running's definitely on the effort, no skill uh, side of the spectrum. See, that's actually like one of the best laid out theories of that. That was incredible. Yeah. Well done, Steve. Yeah. Oh, we just named a bunch of skills though that are required for running. The uh, <laughs> yeah. cool down fake and the spike removal and the bib pins. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Enough skills competition talk. I think we exhausted that. Everybody's sick of listening to us talk about that. Uh, but Let's talk we about have doctors again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have a pretty awesome interview. So we actually have. Our, this just happens to be our first ever female athlete on the podcast. We have Sinclair Johnson. She is the NCAA National Championship in the 1500 meters. She was a great interview. We love talking to her. We love having her on. Um, you know, I think we're going to be cheering for her um, throughout her races this summer and next year. So uh, let's get into it. Our interview with Sinclair Johnson. We are here with your national champion in the 1500 meters, Sinclair Johnson. Sinclair, welcome to Peak Too Early. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. No, we're, we're excited to have you. 
Um, so we reached out to you. We wanted to have you on the podcast because we were so impressed with your, your 1,500-meter race at the national championship. And one thing that we talk about a lot on this podcast is, you know, we kind of look at the 1,500 meters, you know, the mile as kind of like the most important, most important event in our sport. And a yeah. lot of times, especially on the guy side for some reason, it turns into this really dull event. Where it mm-hmm. turns into like this sit and kick, and it just it it pretty much turns into like a four hundred meter race at the end. Um, that wasn't the case in your race. You guys no, went not out at, all. <laughs> at an unbelievable pace. Um, you ran a four oh five, which is just an incredible time. Um, Thank you. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, I knew like based off the field, I figured it was going to be a pretty fast race. So I was definitely um, expecting that kind of a race versus a sit and kick race. And I know typically women's races are kind of more honest too, um, at nationals. And so, and knowing the field too, like I said, I was just really ready for it to be fast. And I think our first lap we took off around 67. So I was like, okay, we're going, you know, pretty honest. And then from there, it just picked up every single lap. And, um, honestly, when you're focused on racing, you just like don't even realize how fast you're running or if you are running fast at all. And then I crossed the line and looked up at the board and realized that we had run super fast. So that was like, like not only like, you know, winning nationals, but then running that time was just really exciting and definitely something that I didn't expect to do, um, given the conditions, but it was pretty cool that we were able to, you know, kind of collaborate on, you know, like one of the most um, epic 1500 races in women's <laughs> collegiate history. And for those of you that are listening that don't know the conditions, it was what, like 98 degrees, just like a super hot day out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, on, so we ran at like five o'clock. Um, and the, on the start line, it was 98 degrees, but I think the feels like was over a hundred. It was like 130 oh and <laughs> the, yeah, it was insane. And the ESPN, um, like the reporter t- said something that they took the physical temperature of the track and the, the track was like 117 degrees. Oh my God. So it was, it was blistering hot, definitely there in Austin, <laughs> which like, you know, it was really good for your, um, sprint events, but not so much for distance events. <laughs> yeah. So Sinclair, I'm a big, uh, conversion guy, right? So if I, okay. if I go out the night before and maybe have too much to drink and don't get a lot of sleep, <laughs> my run the next day, you know, I'm putting on the hungover conversion and right, stuff like that. Right. Of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, so you're, that 1500 was the second fastest collegiate 1500 for women's of all time, which is ridiculous mm-hmm. in that heat. Can we just convert that over and say that that is the best 1500 meter <laughs> time of all time? I mean, you get, you got to give me I the mean, 100, 100 degrees conversion, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, if you want to <laughs> say that, I'm totally fine with you saying that. All right, I'll say it. <laughs> so, uh, Steve and Mike, you know this a little bit, and you know this too, Sinclair. You uh, you went out there, you ran blazing fast in that heat uh, while, you know, mm-hmm. we, we watched the guys, you know, sit and kick the last 400. Why is it that women are so much more badass at the, at the mile? <laughs> I don't know, honestly. <laughs> I've always wondered that too, you know, because a lot of, you know, men during the regular season run super fast and run honest races. But, um, yeah, I don't, I think women just, honestly, it sounds like from when I talk to, you know, um, the women after the race, like all of them like have the same kind of idea. Like I want to make it honest. I want to make it honest. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, when you get to that level, it's like, we all know we can, 
you know, close pretty fast, um, off of a slower pace, but like, you know, who's actually the best 1500 meter runner out there. And I, and I think, um, that's kind of how those races go at uh, championships for women's 1500s. So yeah, we were talking to, uh, to Ollie Hoare from Wisconsin about that. Okay. Like, loves to watch the women run because he kind of has the same style um, as a lot of the women out there. He's taking it out so hard. And you're like, the right. Event, a race like this, like who says you can't go out, win a national championship, set the championship record. Like who cares if the heat is? So it was, uh, it was really fun to watch your race out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's definitely like a more, it makes it a more exciting way to, uh, win a championship you know not only winning but then like running for your fastest time ever so that's pretty exciting so you run you run one of the fastest times ever the second fastest time ever in in incredible heat and then you know like a normal runner like somebody who just put in an incredible effort you collapsed on the track just like anybody would you know just in the in the in the heat you were kind of on the infield trying to catch your yeah. and then the ESPN reporter comes I up know. and tries to interview you while yeah. you're on the ground trying to recover it's like come on can you give this girl a break give her some time to catch her breath what are they thinking right yeah i mean cuz like you know like I, I was always, I didn't really think about this until my coach kind of said it to me after the race. He's like, you got to think like when you got on that start line, you had been in the heat for about an hour already, you know? So, and then you have to try and run like, you know, the fastest you've ever run before after warming up and 98 degree temperatures for an hour. So then by that time I'm like just in full exhaustion and I just, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't even stand and I was barely able to talk but you know they have to get their interview in so I was just like well I guess you're gonna have to do the interview from down here I'm sorry <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I used to hate it when I'd run my uh my super slow uh 1500 meters when ESPN interviewers would would come and bother me now I'm just kidding <laughs> but <laughs> um it wasn't so- even Wait, let me put, it wasn't even that one, too. I was looking at, I was doing my research because I'm a really good podcaster. And <laughs> I was watching an interview with you on Let's Run, and you're still like breathing super heavily. You're yeah, still I was. At this point. But like, how far after the race was that when they had like eight microphones in your face? Um, okay, so that was probably like maybe 20 minutes after the race because I had like stopped and talked to my coaches and like the teammates that were there. Um, and then finally like got into the media tent. So yeah, that was probably a good 20 minutes. And then even after, um, they like took me into the place to go get drug tested too. And even after then I was laying on the ground, like still breathing heavy. (laughs) And that was probably, you know, 30 minutes after I had raced. So I was, I, it was, took me a long time to recover for sure. Did, did you pass the drug test? Yeah, I did. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) I haven't heard that I didn't. So I'm assuming that I did. (laughs) All right, so uh, you know we got all the all the awesome details of your of your national champion and championship, and you know we don't we don't like to dwell too much on the on the nitty gritty details. We like to find out yeah. a little bit about who you are. Um, uh-huh. One thing that you know we need to ask. So you go to Oklahoma State, yeah. And <laughs> the football coach at Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy, has become mm-hmm. a little bit of a cult hero for us growing up. We're big okay. fans of, of Mike Gundy in, in Oklahoma football. Have you and met the mullet? Oh, yeah, you got to love the mullet. <laughs> yeah, you have to. No, I have not personally met ah. him. I mean, I've seen him on campus and obviously at football games and stuff. Um, he likes to bring his dog to the office, I guess. And so I've seen his dog a couple times roaming around, like, where we go eat dinner. Um, but I haven't personally met him, no. But I hope I will one day <laughs> before I leave. 
Have you considered replicating his haircut? <laughs> oh gosh, no, no. <laughs> I don't think I could rock it as well as him, so I'm gonna stick to my haircut. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sinclair, if you do see him, please tell him that Mike Gendron uh, says hello and that he's okay. my hero. Okay, um, I will. <laughs> so I will for sure. not not to dwell too much, like Steve said, on the whole national champion thing, but mm-hmm. just like being on campus and life after being a national champion. How how does life change? Does it change at all? Like, do, do, does things feel different on campus? Does it feel different in your personal life? How do your goals change? Like, what what is being yeah. a national champion like? <laughs> um, I think it's definitely changed um, a lot. And not to say, like, um, it's changed just, like, in terms of what other people think, but just my mentality, too. I definitely have this whole new level of confidence Um, and just basically like, um, I mean, it's like to be, you know, to win nationals is like an awesome feat, you know, and then to beat like someone like Jessica Holt, who is like, you know, even more incredible. So I think that that alone, like gave me a lot of confidence. Um, and I have such a great support system back at Stillwater and everyone's been so, so, so supportive and showed a lot of love, um. Um, unfortunately when I got back, I wasn't there for long before I left to go back home. Um, so I didn't really get to see anybody and plus like school was out too. So there was nobody back home. So things haven't changed that much, but it was definitely, um, kind of a little bit overwhelming to come back and, you know, have people like, Oh, I want to interview over this or, you want to do the podcast for this or, you know, stuff like that. So, um, it's all exciting and it's just kind of cool to, um, have like like I said so much support from you know so many people around around the world how many more Instagram followers do you have um not too much (laughs) probably like I don't know like a thousand more maybe but oh yeah yeah. not that much (laughs) no (laughs) no but definitely gotten some weird dms from um you know some high school I'm assuming high school runner boys um because I think only high school runner boys would dm me the stuff that they've dm me before so yeah like prom invites and stuff like that no not not prom hopefully not I won't hopefully I won't have to deal with that but just weird stuff like you know uh I don't even know how to describe it but you know like I I think yeah like I think one guy said can I um put you as my phone background it's like well I mean I can't say no to that like that's your phone that's you that's, that's your, your you have the power to do that so but yeah just weird stuff like that high school runner to, uh, boys might be uh definitely some of the most interesting people on the entire oh, planet I can attest yeah. you know at one point in my life being one yeah they yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's all that testosterone that they don't know what to do with, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I held my breath for a second when you said you got all these weird DMs. I thought you were going to say from weird podcasts asking. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no. Yours was one DM that was not weird. <laughs> nice job, guys. We did, we did well. Yes, exactly. Um, so, so you mentioned before we started the interview, you mentioned that you're, uh, you're, you're kind of setting your sights on uh, USA's. Can we, so yes. can we expect to see you there? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yep. I'm racing. I just actually got my confirmation email that I'm registered for the 1500. So I'm really excited about that. And um, I think the goal there is, you know, to make the world team definitely going to breach for, you know, the stars. Um, I have nothing really to lose. So I'm excited to kind of be in a race where it's like, you know, 
a really competitive field. Um, and that was honestly what was most exciting about racing at nationals was just being able to race against the best of the best. Um, sometimes, you know, in the season, you don't really get to have a race where you have uh, that many women of that caliber because people are all over the world, ra- or not world, um, all over the U.S. racing. So um, to be able to, like, you know, come together and just, you know, push each other um, is a really cool thing. And I'm excited to be able to push myself even more against, you know, the big dogs, um, on a big, bigger stage. So, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely will be a challenge, but I'm up for it and I'm, I'm really excited and looking forward to that. Well, to that point, um, so you're 405 at, uh, nationals NCAAs was, I I believe just shy of the Olympic, uh, standard, right? Yeah. It's it's 404.5. Yeah, I know, five, I think, the Olympic or two or something like that. Yeah. So it sounds like you kind of answered my question already. Is that on your radar at all? Is that something that's in the back of your mind that you're thinking about at all? Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. Um, last year, so USA is since it's in Des Moines, it's you know not ideal conditions. And last year the race, um, I think Shelby won in around 4:05. So not like typically that fast of a race. Um, I mean, still fast, but like um, so you know, I think the goal for the rest of the season is just to make the world team. And then from there I can, you know, focus on, um, time goals, you know, for the Olympics and stuff. But I think really what, how I do best is just racing for place. And then, you know, the time comes, so I'm sure I will get into a race where I'm, you know, able to run that Olympic standard and just focus on racing and, you know, it'll be like a race like nationals. I'll finish and look up at the board and be like, oh, wait, I just ran really fast. So <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> In addition to racing for place, one important thing for racing fast, of course, is just like mm-hmm. being all swaggy. And one thing I liked was the big earrings you wore. Are you oh, awesome? <laughs> thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have the style on the track. Yes. You know? Oh, look good, of course. Feel good, feel good yeah. running, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's so funny. Like, I tell so many people, like, I rarely straighten my hair because my hair is naturally curly, but like, I have to straighten my hair for races. I got to wear my rings and earrings. And, you know, like, you know, it's like you basically put on all this makeup just to sweat it off. But it's like, if you don't do it, it's, it's a, uh, you know, you're not, you're not one of the best because <laughs> everyone else is, you know, looking the part. So, so and, but, yeah. and Oklahoma has probably one of the coolest uniforms out oh, there. Oh, yeah. Oh, the yeah. bright orange and then yes. when when you have the old school logo with the old cowboy on it's so cool yes oh yeah yeah i know i really like that uniform too i was really happy at nationals i convinced my two other teammates that were in the 1500 final to go orange over orange which mm-hmm. i'd never done before and i was like please 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 i've been wanting to do it like this is a perfect chance you know it's at nationals at the final and um and they were both on board, so that was really exciting to do, just to be out there, you know, in bright orange. Like, and my coach actually is someone who's like very traditional, likes like you know the orange over black. But he even came up to me after. He's like, I love the orange over orange. So hopefully that <laughs> will stick, awesome. and maybe he can um, wear that in future races too. Very nice. And before we get away from the earrings topic, I just have to come full circle. <laughs> oh I just yeah. Have a question up here. So okay. when I used to race back in college. Um, I was, oh I was pretty God. cool and pretty swaggy. I would uh-huh. wear these, like the Air Jordan symbol, you know, that oh, okay. like the, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Air Jordan. I had two earrings that I would wear for all the big races. No, you um, didn't. No way. I, it, it was, oh my God. You were such a loser. I can, I can, uh, yeah, it so happened had, and it was terrible. Purple that is awesome. Wear, like, my high mid cap. So do you respect me more as a runner? 
Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, don't, I think the cooler, don't, no, Sinclair, the cooler the earrings, that, the cooler you are as a runner. <laughs> oh, no, man. that is awesome. I never knew that. I've seen there was a couple guys that would wear uh, like purple studs because we are purple colors. Um, okay. We had all sorts of, of weird earrings going on. It was great. I remember looking at like that trend style awesome. when we were in college and just thinking like if you weren't my teammate, I would hate you <laughs> so <laughs> very much, so very much. <laughs> That's funny, you know, but it's it's about making a statement and you know, you gotta be unique and stand out. Preach. So that's cool. Preach. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone's gotta have like, you know, their little thing. So well, I like do, that. Do you feel the pressure now that like because you are a national champ and you know, next year you're mm-hmm. gonna be, you know, the the top of the conversation and going into yeah. national and stuff like that? you know, people are going to be talking about you. Do you feel mm-hmm. more pressure to make more of a statement to, you know, the earrings get bigger, you know, the hair gets <laughs> a little crazier? Like, is, is there more pressure to do something like that? Um, No, I think there's more pressure and um, definitely like the way I handle myself. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, once you get to a level like that, people start critiquing you a lot. So I feel pressure in that sense and just, you know, out out of me, I just have to really make sure that I don't say anything that I regret or get in trouble for, you know, and that type of thing. Um, But yeah, in terms of like pressure to make another statement, no, I I think that (laughs) I like... If I was was national champ, I would dye my hair bright orange. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a huge statement. (laughs) <laughs> but my hair is already kind of orange, so I already, like, fit the part of that, you know. You could get, like, a crazy temporary tattoo that's just, like, I'm the champ, like, I'm happy <laughs> or something, like, super cocky. That would, I would do that. No, that is not me. <laughs> no, no. All right, stick with the earrings then. Yeah, I'll just stick with the earrings. Maybe it'll get bigger. Maybe they'll change up next year. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, serious question, somewhat serious question, you you know, we're talking a little bit about, uh, USAs and then even like Olympic trials beyond that. And we're really focused on the track, but, you know, I think, you know, the three of us, you know, we kind of put up with track, we tolerate it. We consider ourselves more cross country runners than anything. Um, are you looking forward to cross country at all, uh, this coming year or are you kind of pretty much just focused on? Um, yeah, like, so I think that if, you know, I do happen to make the world team, I think cross country you might have to take a little bit of a back burner just because um the way that worlds is and how how late it is this year um but i so last year was the first year i actually took cross country seriously and um it really paid off i went from 233rd my like not true freshman year my redshirt freshman year to um like um 48th my sophomore year so, yeah, so I think that that was a huge jump, and honestly, nothing changed but my mentality, and I was just like, all right, I want to be not just a 1500 or 800 runner, I want to be a runner, you know, mm-hmm. and so whatever um, race I was going to be in, I want to be the best I could be. Um, so then I started to like it a little bit, and, you know, there's there's a dip, there's more of a team aspect in cross country, which I do sure. really enjoy that. Um, it is a bit of a grind of a season, so that's not always the best, you know, waking up super early or just doing long workouts. And, um, but I kind of have found a groove and found a love for just that, that kind of grind, you know, it's a different kind of grind than track season. So cross country is growing on me. I wouldn't say, (laughs) I wouldn't go as far as saying that I like it. That is, (laughs) that's too much of a statement to say right now, but it is growing on me. I will say that. (laughs) See, some, sometimes runners strike me as like, you know, uh, 
like semi psychopaths and you say yeah. that you don't really like cross country makes yeah. me feel like that maybe you're actually like a, a normal a normal person yeah but, um, Aww, thanks. <laughs> but so we we're from the um kind of philosophy that with strength comes speed that was driven oh, into 100%. us at least me and Trent yeah, yeah from our coach Absolutely. so do you think your mentality shift there where you kind of started taking cross country a little bit more seriously and you know gaining that um you know, the, the strength from cross country oh, helps in your yeah. pursuit for track. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that. I mean, I think a lot of times, you know, we would do tempo runs on the track in my freshman year and I wouldn't complete one just because I honestly just didn't feel like it. And I was like, this is hard and I want to do it. So I would just stop, you know? And so I think I more so developed a mentality of like, I'm going to grind through whatever. I'm going to be tough. I'm going to get through whatever. And I think I got through a lot of workouts um last fall that I would have never gotten through even my sophomore year and um to be able to do that um in the fall just built so much strength and then you know going forward I like definitely have more so natural speed than I do um natural strength I guess you could say Mm -hmm. um so when like coming out of high school I really wanted to go to a program where they're um more aerobic aerobically based like what they're worth regard to their training um and that's what Oklahoma State provided for me and um I'm just seeing like huge huge improvements um just in my aerobic system alone and then you know on top of that we touch on a little bit of speed not even that much you would honestly be surprised at how little speed we do um mm. but I think the way that we train in terms of being like basically strength-based training all year just produces so many um 1500 meter runners Cool. And our program. On the yeah, you guys side. had like, would you have three people in the finals? Yeah, we had three in the final. Yeah. Yeah, That's so like a, that was. It's like a cross-country race. You got your teammates out yeah. there. Yeah, awesome. yeah. I mean, that we had like, you know, a fourth of the field. So that was super exciting. Very cool. So Sinclair, I think, uh, you know, we know you got to, you, you got things to do. You're, you're a busy person. Um, we wrap up every interview with a little game. We, we okay. fire rapid fire questions at you. It's called down the home stretch. Mike, do you want oh, no. to stop down the home stretch? <laughs> so <laughs> it's basically we put 90 seconds on the clock, right? Okay. And um, we we pick a, a, a topic and just pepper you with these questions. You give us the best answer you possibly can and okay. move right on to the next. And uh, so being from <laughs> Oklahoma scared. State, <laughs> your guys, uh, your mascot is the Cowboys, right? Yeah. And um so our topic is going to be the Wild West. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna oh, no. give you rapid fire <laughs> Wild West questions. Okay. Uh, and you just do your best here. <laughs> so Trent's gonna knock us off with the first question. The time's gonna start with his question and go. Okay. All right, Sinclair. First question: Name the cowboy in Toy Story. Woody. Nice job. Okay. <laughs> that wasn't too bad. <laughs> All right. Are there tumbleweeds in Oklahoma? No, I don't actually. I don't know. I've never seen one. I don't think so. <laughs> Who's the more famous cowboy, Sinclair Johnson or Jimmy Johnson? I don't even know who Jimmy Johnson is. But well, probably... it's Sinclair Johnson. That's Sinclair oh, okay. Johnson, I guess. <laughs> Sinclair, how many cowboy hats do you have? I actually have one. Oh, all That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And boots to go with them. Wow. That's my next question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. well, there you go. Who's who's your favorite country singer? Um, 
I guess I have to say Garth Brooks. You know, he went okay. to OSU. Yeah. yeah. What percentage of parties at Oklahoma State play Little Nas? What percent? Yes. Um, probably a hundred percent. Who starred in the movie Wild Wild West? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't even Come give on. you a guess. Wild, I wild honestly West. cannot even give you a guess. <laughs> we'll see All right. Uh, why? Uh, why don't we have more saloons anymore? Um, because we've moved from saloons to now nightclubs. <laughs> I guess. All right. Last question. Last question. Um, does Oklahoma State have the coolest celebration? Guns up. Yes, of course. Uh, yeah. Definitely, yeah. definitely the coolest celebration. Yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> uh, Sinclair, thank you so much for putting up with us. This was a ton of fun. Thank you for coming yes, on. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me on. It was fun. Good luck with your races this summer. We're going to be cheering for you. Um, Sounds and good. Thank definitely you. Definitely good luck next year. Well, good thank luck you. tomorrow, Sinclair. You yeah, got uh, yeah. 800 tomorrow. Yes, I do. Thank you. Thanks again to Sinclair for coming on the podcast. That was a lot of fun. Um, you know, like I said, at the, like I said before the interview, we're going to be cheering around throughout the rest of the summer and going into next year. Um, so, guys, we were talking a little bit about before the podcast, and we were talking a, the 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 topic of Kipchoge kind of came up. And uh, and Trent, you brought up some some interesting stuff about Kipchoge. Do you kind of want to take over from here? Yeah. So Iliad Kipchoge. Uh, they recently announced that in October he's going to be doing another sub two marathon attempt. So uh, I think it was 2017 at the Nike breaking two event. He, he gave it a go and it's basically like a fully assisted attempt at breaking uh, the two, two hour barrier. So there's a car that drives by him and is giving him fluids the whole time. I think there's cars in front of him that are, that are like breaking the wind. Um, it's a you know a flat course and it's loops, and so he's got you know full pacers and and full wind breakage the whole time. It's like giving him every you know a possibility to to break to every advantage he can possibly get. Um, and so he's been training for a while, and they just released that it's coming out in o- October, and it's just like a it's a pretty wild idea that somebody's gonna be shooting for this. It's kind of like one of those ultimate human barriers i think that you know people just assume are not never going to get broken kind of like the four minute mile was back in the day or um you know some of the 100 meter times was a 10 seconds people didn't think could be done at one point and, and so it's going to be kind of fun to see how this goes curious to see what you guys are you excited about this attempt uh does it is it not real because of all the help that he's getting um i got some takes but what do you guys think yeah so <sighs> It's it, there's a fine line, right? Because in on one sense, my opinion is like this is not how our support our sport is supposed to be done, right? Like this like laboratory type, like perfect conditions. That's what's great about our sport and a lot of stuff that we preach is about it's not about times. It's not about you know perfect conditions about going out there and grinding. On the other hand, though, and I've talked about this a lot as well, the the hunt for the next big milestone is so exciting. And in our lifetime, we've never really 
gotten that in running, right? There's been smaller ones, but, you know, you're talking on the level of like four minute mile. There hasn't been one that's been this huge and a sub to our marathon. I mean, that is, you know, again, something that, that people can not relate to, but understand, right? Like the, the, how huge that is a sub to our marathon is just incredible. Um, so on the other side of it, I'm like, to, to experience it, to be a part of it and to watch this hunt, even if it is under those conditions, a human still has to run every single step of 26.2 miles in under two hours. And, um, yeah, so I, I'm split, but I think I'm leaning towards the side of that. I'm excited about it. Yeah. I, so my take on this, and you kind of hinted at it, Mike, a little bit, like when you first started talking, I honestly, I don't really care about this. Um, I mean, but like, I think Kipchoge, I mean, is one of the greatest athletes of all time. You can make the argument he is the greatest marathoner of all time and one of the greatest runners of all time in any distance. Um, I don't, I care about the competitive side. Like I can, I care about the racing. Um, you know, I, I don't think anybody is going to be like when he, if he does break two hours, which is, you know, pretty cool, but I don't think anybody's going to be like, oh, well he should have the world record now because they're doing all these things to, mm -hmm. to, to, to make it easier for him. I think it's interesting. And I think it's like maybe a step in the right direction for like breaking down barriers, but that's not why I watch running. That's not why I race. I race to to deal with the elements i race to to beat the guy next to me i could care less about the what the times are um you know i i don't think you know uh desi's win two years ago in boston it was one of the slowest wins of all time but i don't think anybody takes it away from what she did because it was such difficult conditions if anything she's praised for that she's praised for fighting through that and winning it you know i could care less about the time i care about the winning so you know I, I think it's interesting, but I, I didn't watch it last time, and I'm probably not going to watch it or care about it this time around. So I got a, a little mix of both of you guys. So I am pretty like pretty into this. Like I'm eating it up. The the idea of a, a two hour marathon because it's such an insane number. Um, again, like this just this athletic achievement that just feels like like should never be able to be accomplished to have somebody so close and they'd be going for it. My eyes would be glued to the television. Although. I am rooting against Kip Choke. <laughs> I do not want him to get it. Like, it is so cool to have these milestones that people like can't get. Like, it just makes it, you know, cooler and harder to, to I don't know, more fun to think about that there is a milestone that, that people can't get to. And I like seeing people coming up short. It was like, I didn't want to see, you know, Cabrera hit the triple crown a couple of years ago. Cause I, I like that being like a, such a difficult thing to get. And like a perfect game is more fun because it almost never gets thrown. I want to see the two hour not get broken for a while. It's like fun to see people come up and come short. And then when someone does break it, hopefully down the line, maybe in a real race, um, it'll be a little more exciting. Cause there'll been like all these crazy attempts to go get it. So, so boo Kipchoge. I, I hope he fails. I hope he fails like really close though, like too flat in like 10 seconds or something. Well, so to your point, Trent, right. The, the one problem I do have with it, right. Because as time goes on and things happen and technology and shoes and all that, right. It, it will get broken. We're close enough. We're at the point where we can say probably in our lifetime, the two hour marathon will get broken. And I'm a little afraid that if Kipchoge does it in, uh, the laboratory setting that when it happens on the roads in a true marathon, it might be 
something might be a little taken away from that. It might be a little tainted. So I guess in that sense, so you're on my side. I'm not. I, I wouldn't say I'm on your side. I wouldn't say boo Kipchoge, but <laughs> in 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 that sense, I wouldn't. I would feel terrible that if in our lifetime we saw, you know, a road true marathon, somebody break two hours and it not get the hype that it deserves because of this effort. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree with that. Did anybody watch? Did anybody watch the uh, the documentary on the last one? Didn't Nike do a documentary on the the last attempt? I did not see it. That did you get it for me? No. Well, I, I really like documentaries and I really like watching videos. Um, and uh, speaking of videos, whether you're married to the game of running or getting married to another runner, let Twenty Seven Video take care of all your video needs. We can show in 4K the beads of sweat on your calves in a road race or your gorgeous wedding. Choose 27 video. We love weddings, and we love running, too. Again, thanks again to our presenting sponsor throughout the month of July, 27 video. Um, Again, you know, I I can't speak highly enough of these people. They've uh, they've, they've videotaped several of my events, including my wedding and the road race I directed. So if you need any type of video needs, check out 27 video. So, Steve, I have two things. First of all, your transition into these ad reads have been spectacular. <laughs> spectacular. Well done. It's almost like we've had ad reads forever. So, well, job well done there. Uh, two, to transition us back to the conversation that we were, <laughs> that we were just on. Um, so, I just made a point against Kipchoge in this two-hour marathon deal. But I want I kind of want to stand my middle ground here a little bit here and, and have a different argument. So, Kipchoge is this running legend, right? I mean, he's become this just, uh, again, we will say it. We've said it before. Steve said it on this podcast. We've said it on previous podcasts. The greatest marathoner of all time does not get the recognition that he deserves, right? Uh, He is one of the greatest athletes of our lifetime, especially we can say that being runners and, and, and understanding what he's done and I don't know. Part of me thinks that if he is the guy to break that two-hour barrier, maybe he gets more recognition. Maybe it uh, grows his name and his legend a little bit. So maybe there is something to be said for he needs to be the one to do it so that people understand how incredible he really is as an athlete. I'm not giving him the credit he deserves as an athlete until he races in Boston. Well, that's that's a fair point. Stop being a a coward. Stop being a coward, Kipchoge. Come to Boston. Race in Boston. Try your hand at the, the greatest marathon of all time. Um, then I'll give you the respect you deserve. Because you know what? You know, I I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not saying anything like, you know, but I ran Boston and you know, you're claiming that this guy's the greatest marathoner of all time and he hasn't <laughs> run Boston. So um, you know, maybe my name should get thrown in the conversation. Steve's, maybe, Steve's maybe. point of view do not reflect the Peak Too Early uh, podcast as a whole and their respect that they give to Kipchoge. I want to make that very clear. <laughs> but it is, Mike, I think, uh, you know, we'll, we'll dismiss Steve's point. Um, <laughs> Mike, it's a, it's a good point you bring up, right? Because you see dominant athletes in sports that are not like the premier sports um, that we think of as the most popular sports in America you know, have insane popularity when they get to be as good as Kachogius. Like, Usain Bolt is a great example of another track and field athlete who is way more of a household name. And Kipchoge, I think, is on that level of dominance. You get guys like Michael Phelps, you know, uh, mm-hmm. swimmers that completely dominate. And then, of course, there's your Tiger Woods and your Federers and whoever. Like, 
Kipchoge's on that level. The guy hasn't lost in like six years. The guy is insane. Yeah. So maybe this is what's needed to make people realize like we have literally maybe the best athlete like in the world, all sports in Kipchoge right now. And I don't think that's that crazy of a statement. And well, people don't give him the attention he deserves. I mean, t- and to your point, uh, Trent, I mean, like even like obviously, I mean, soccer is the biggest sport in the world. But in America, it's it, it plays second, third, fourth fiddle to all the other sports. But I mean, anybody who watches sports knows Lionel Messi is right. I mean, like yeah. mm-hmm. he, he's a household name in that community. But Kipchoge is obviously not anybody who, you know, has watched ESPN a day in their life knows who Matt Moneymaker, the the poker player, is. Hmm. I mean, I I know a, a a World Series of poker player, and most people don't know who Kipchoge is. Yeah. I know who. Uh, who is the guy Chestnut there? Joey Chestnut is a professional <laughs> eater, and he is a household name in America. Meanwhile, nobody knows who Kipchoge is, and it's, it is it is well, pretty ridiculous. Well, Trent, I think the things you said about like how he hasn't lost in six years, his wins at uh, London, Berlin, like his, his major wins to me are way more impressive than any kind of like artificial attempt at, at two, uh, you know, two hours while cool. I think the, the wins are way more impressive. And I agree. I agree. He should get more recognition. Here's a, here's a question posed to me. Shout out to, to one of our loyal listeners, Joe Santo in whatever marathon Kipchoge Mom, steps in the line next, would you take Kipchoge or the field? If it was even odds or what would the odds have to be for you to pick Kipchoge? Mm, over that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it would be like something like Kipchoge, like, like minus like five hundred. Whoa! Whoa! I was gonna say even money against the field, but still against the field. I mean, he hasn't well, lost in six one years. Guy. Yeah, but it's one guy versus years? the field, and anything can happen. I, yeah, I think, all I right, think so, it might be like I think it might so be it's like, somewhere in between there. It's somewhere in between there. Like, I think he might be like minus like one fifty. Okay, I can be. It's definitely not even money, but I, yeah, I could. I I think that's probably closer. So you minus one fifty. Who do you take? Well, I'm a gambling man, so I got to take the field plus money all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I think Vegas would tempt you a little bit. That's what. That's what I mean. I think. I think that it would even be closer to minus two hundred because I think they'd know every cent is coming in at the at the field. Yeah. So and I'm an, I'm anti Chip Kipchoge, so I'm going field. <laughs> All right, well, screw you guys. I'm going minus 200. Kipchoge, put the house on it, baby. <laughs> well, hey, tweet at us your opinion. What do you think? What what should the line be if it was, you know, say say Kipchoge's lining up at, uh, you know, what's the what's the next major, what's the next uh, world marathon? It would be New York. Let's say it was just hypothetical. Say Kipchoge was lining up uh, on the line at New York, and what should the line be, Kipchoge versus the field? Let us know what you think. Um, guys, I had a lot of people reach out to me in the past couple weeks after our past couple episodes about our closing song. You know, obviously we, we, we finished with the hit me with the Josie, the, 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 your love cover, but if you stick around, we do a little bit of bloopers and then we end the podcast with a cover. Um, it's, a uh, it's, uh, Ario Speedwagon's roll with the changes, but it's a cover by the moderates, which they absolutely rock it. It's an awesome song. If you haven't listened to the end of the podcast, you definitely got to listen to the end of this one because it's an awesome song. But I had a couple people reach out to me 
about you know that song asking me who sings it. So it is the Moderates, and uh, I did some research, guys. So the Moderates were a band that kind of came together in 2014, 2015, um, put out some fire songs like the Roll with the Changes cover, and they kind of broke up and they didn't go anywhere. You know, their their social media following is extremely weak. I think they have nine followers on Instagram. So what we want to do as a peak too early podcast is we want to bring the moderates out of retirement for a peak too early concert. So what I need everyone to do, I'm going to do it right when we get off the podcast. I'm going to do it from my account. I'm going to do it from the peak too early account. Go follow the moderates on Instagram and send them a message and tell them how much you enjoy their song at the closing of our show. And yeah, we'll bring not, the moderates out of retirement. It's it's not even just that, Steve. The songs I use within the podcast, transitions from interviews and stuff like that. This this podcast had the transitions using their songs. I mean, we're just we're huge moderate fans. I mean, that's I would I would kill to see a live moderates fan right now. We got to take them out of retirement. Peak too early is. I mean, imagine if we were you know one of our sponsors was the moderates. I mean, we, yeah. we I'm all in on it. I'm all in on it. The moderates are the sound of peak too early. It doesn't really make sense for a podcast, but they are, they are the sound <laughs> of peak too early. So if you haven't followed peak too early on Instagram yet, you got to go do that now and then go follow the moderates. Send them a message like uh, like me, Mike, and Trent are going to do right now. Tell them we want them out of retirement. Tell them you enjoy them on this podcast. Guys, this has been another great episode. I think we're getting kind of good at this. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I was, you know, I was, uh, you know, coming, uh, coming off of the Fourth of July weekend. Um, a lot of my podcasts that I listened to kind of took last week off, so I didn't have a whole lot to listen to. So I went back and listened to some of our older podcasts. And guys, we have gotten so much better at this because we used mm. to suck at this. But I think yeah. we're getting pretty good. <laughs> I think we're getting pretty good. So, anyways, this is a great episode. I had a lot of fun. Uh, we had a lot of fun with Sinclair. Um, but let's wrap it up with the bell lap, Mike. What do you got for the people? Yeah, so Steve, um, we're past July 4th now, which means we are officially in the dog days of the the running training world. I mean, especially me, because it's been a couple months since I've really gone after it, and now I'm realizing fall's coming up soon. We got some races I got to train for. I got to start making some headway, so I'm getting out there, and it is freaking hot, man. I mean, these next couple months are brutal, and the probably the worst two running months of the calendar year. I'll take I'll take uh, December January over the next couple months are about to hit. Um, so I'm gearing up for it, and I'm gonna make the best out of it that I can. Uh, going out there and slugging my three miles here, my four miles there. Hopefully, gearing up to have a nice little fall for myself there, and a nice little beer mile in the fall. So yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. You know, the, the the novelty of summer is awesome. Like, you're coming out of the winter. It's, it's getting warmer. You know, you associate it with school being out when you're, when you know, when you're a kid. But once you get to the 4th of July, you know, the rest of summer kind of sucks. It's just kind of sweaty <laughs> and gross. So, you know, I, you know, once you get to the 4th of July, it's like, eh, I can do without it. Uh, Trent, what do you got for people on the Bell Lab? Well, Mike, I'm, I'm glad you brought up your last point with the beer mile there. So today, uh, I was eating breakfast downstairs at the, the hotel, uh, free breakfast, which, God, I love hotels that give that free continental breakfast. <laughs> I know people hate it, but 
you know, saves me a couple of bucks and it's, it's a buffet all the time. It's great. But I was, I was eating, uh, I think it was like eggs and sausage and I had a hair in, in my, my food. <laughs> right. And so I went to pull the hair out and boys, it was Gross. no, it was no real hair. It was just my mustache hair <laughs> over my lip and into my mouth. Um, my mustache hair is getting out of control and it, it really is, is, is making me think, is it time to shave? But I told the people I was keeping the mustache until the Miller Lite record is is blonde, so peak too early in the beer mile. And I need to just use this time to say it again so that I don't, you know, I don't go back on my word. I need to, to reaffirm and tell myself now I, I made two commitments to the people um, because it's starting to be a little a little unruly <laughs> over here. <but laughs> it's a funny story. This past week, I, uh, you know, I was shaving and I was like, you know what? I'm on vacation. I'm going to try to grow a mustache. So I had a little bit of a mustache going for a week. And I realized that my wife hates it so much that I can use it as a negotiation tactic. So whenever Ooh. we like disagree on something or I want to do something that she's the one to do, I say, all right, well, I'll save the mustache. And so I, I going forward, I can use it as a negotiation tactic. <laughs> Growing in, get something I want to do with the boys that, you know, she got something going on. Be like, all right, I'll skip it. I'll just, you know, yeah. you know, shave the mustache. Yeah. And, good luck with that, Steve. Let me know how that works out for you, buddy. <laughs> anyways um i got a beer mile coming up down in dc it's a brooks and uh if you're familiar with the the the, uh the dc running stores down there pacers so it's a brooks pacers sponsored beer mile i'm going to be heading down to dc on i believe it's august 24th for that race so that's going to be over the next couple months i'm going to be training for that and then a couple weeks later I think we're going to pick a date and we're going to go for that Miller Lite record and maybe invite some of the heavy hitters that we've had on here if they can make it or not. So um, looking forward to that. Again, one last time, if you haven't put July 27th on your calendar for the watch party at the Gendron Saloon, you need to do that right now. Other than that, I would run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike, hit me with the Josie. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. I had a lot of fun on the podcast. Thank you guys for having me. Nice. Give me my number. We're a salves. <laughs> See, you right. like that one? Yep. <laughs> hi, you don't Aaron. Want it? Oh. Hi, Aaron. says hi. Is she right there? No, she yelled from the back. She's down in the kitchen. She's yelling at the microphone. Say hi, Cece. Hi, Cece. I mean, I have headphones in, so she has the thing. Aaron says hi, Cece. We can't hear you. My wife handed me a white claw because she didn't want it. Well, I mean, it's better than not having a white claw. Yeah, I guess so. I have like, I have like, thirty in my fridge left over from your wedding, because people just kept bringing them to my room and putting them in my cooler. Really? <laughs> and everybody drank the Miller Lights, but nobody drank the white claws. <laughs> And I am willing to take the break that we are on the brink of. My 
cup is on the table. Love is spilling, waiting there for you to take and drink up. If you're tired of the same old story, oh, turn some pages. Clapping, felt the desert burn.